St. Leo 360, a 360 degree overview of the St. Leo University community. Hi there, and thanks for checking out another episode of the St. Leo 360 podcast. My name is Greg Lindberg. On this episode, we are featuring episode three from the As a Matter of Fact podcast series. And just a reminder, this series is hosted by Dr. Lisa Rapp McCall, who is a professor of social work here at St. Leo University. On this particular episode, Dr. Rapp McCall interviews Dr. Jacob Aguilar, who is an assistant professor of mathematics within the School of Cards here at St. Leo. And Cards stands for Computing, Artificial Intelligence, Robotics, and Data Science. In addition to that, uh, Dr. Aguilar is also the Associate Director of our Honors Program here at St. Leo University. The topic of discussion for this particular episode is herd immunity within the COVID-19 pandemic. So let's go ahead and turn things over now to Dr. Rob McCall and Dr. Aguilar. Welcome to As a Matter of Fact, a podcast about important and intriguing research findings. What do the research discoveries mean and how do they impact and help us? I'm Dr. Lisa Rat McCall, your podcast host. I believe that science and research can help us be better and do better. So come along with me as we learn about the latest research discoveries and what they mean for us. Welcome to our third episode of As a Matter of Fact, a podcast about interesting research findings which may help all of us know better and do better. My name is Dr. Lisa Rat McCall, and I'm a professor of social work at St. Leo University. Today, we're going to be discussing the topic of herd immunity for COVID-19. Is it mathematically possible? I have an expert with me today to help us wrap our brains around this subject, Dr. Jacob Aguilar, who's an assistant professor in the Department of Mathematics in the School of Computing, Artificial Intelligence, Robotics, and Data Science, and is the Associate Director of the Honors Program at St. Leo University. He is currently serving as the Vice President of Programs of the MAA Florida Section. His postdoctoral research in the Institute of Bioinformatics at the University of Georgia was focused on exploring the molecular mechanisms of resilience, susceptibility, and resistance of non-human primate hosts when challenged with the malaria infection. Dr. Aguilar's primary research area is centered on the derivation and mathematical analysis of epidemiology epidemiological models that estimate the transmission dynamics behind vector-borne diseases. Of recent, his work has been focused on modeling the impact that asymptomatic carriers have on the disease dynamics of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Dr. Aguilar's research has been featured in television newscasts and interviews with various media outlets. Welcome, Dr. Aguilar, and thank you for being here today. And Dr. Aguilar just told me a really fun fact that tonight at midnight will be exactly a thousand days since the WHO declared 
COVID as a global pandemic. That is really cool. Um, and really not cool at the same yes. time, I guess. But thank you again for being here. Um, maybe we can start by talking about how did you become interested in applying mathematical analysis to the transmission of diseases? Okay, so I'll tell you the story. Okay, so for my PhD, I worked on models of ocean waves. And um, after my PhD, so ironically, the math involved in that is exponentially harder than infectious disease. Okay. The equations are just much worse. They're classical. And I kind of like got really versed in that area. Mm -hmm. And I, so for my postdoc, I was looking for a different area. I wanted to. And I wanted it to be interdisciplinary and collaborative. Right. So I was going on an interview and the PI for the lab was like, okay, you have all the skill sets I need for this position, but I'm just going to be direct with you. It's very difficult. And he was like, um, one expertise in one area is not enough to solve the problem. You'll never know. You have to be comfortable. You have to get used to being comfortable being uncomfortable. Okay. And so it's like, and it's really cool. And like, so I was sold at that, at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a wild experience, Lisa. Like in the lab, we had people who were like biologists, chemists. You had me, mm -hmm. I was the mathematician, computer scientist. And we really just had to check our egos at the door. Right. And just be result oriented. Let's solve this problem. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty cool. So. But that seems like when you think about how to solve complex problems, isn't that always like the way that it works best when it's like multi-disciplines getting together, just Definitely. working together, right? Definitely. Like it doesn't exist. You have to like, it doesn't exist in the realm of your speciality or something. Right. And like, I'll ne I accept it. I'll never know as much as the biologists know about biology. Right. And I'll right. never know the math, but we have to like connect with each other. So absolutely. it's pretty cool. Yeah, you absolutely need each other. Yes. And so that's where you were starting to work on the malaria exactly. infections. It, okay. was, it was a it was a non-human primate lab we had mm -hmm. and we had around 10 primates mm -hmm. and uh it's what we infect and this sounds kind of kind of morbid but what we implanted telemetry devices in each one of them mm -hmm. and we infected them with um the analogous primates uh um, parasite of malaria. Okay. So um, it's called Cinnamolgi. But what we did is we analyzed their so many disease characteristics from them continuously. Mm -hmm. And we just had to figure out what to do with that data. And the, the whole point was um, we wanted to um, early detect infection to enhance soldiers' performance in the field. That wow. was like the goal. Wow. So wow. It was, pretty, so, it was pretty fun. That's so interesting. And so today we're going to be talking about kind of what your latest work was regarding COVID-19. And I know we're going to be mentioning and talking a lot about herd immunity. Can you tell us what that means? Because I, I think we've all heard that word thrown around a lot before. So when people talk about that in reality, they're referring to a certain percentage. And what that percentage stands for is the amount of people in a population that need to be immune to a given pathogen. In this case, it's a virus. So that um, the vulnerable people, susceptible people, are less likely to interact with them and get infected. Okay. So, like, basically, the pathways of virus spread are so limited mm -hmm. that it's a very safe state to be in. Okay. Okay. So that makes sense. This percentage that we're striving for, in other words, to ensure safety for most of the population. Exactly. Okay. So, like, if I'm like, 
immunocompromised or something and mm-hmm. I can't get the vaccine. Right. I, I know when I'm going to Publix, I'm not worried. Right. It's like that. Right. Right. So in your recent article entitled The Diminishing Hope of COVID-19 Herd Immunity, you state that it seems unlikely that we will ever reach herd immunity for COVID-19. Can you walk us non-mathematical experts through how you determine that? Oh, most definitely. So just analyzing the disease dynamics of it, what? so essentially it's really dependent on the vaccines. Okay. If we had a transmission blocking vaccine, mm-hmm. then we could, we could get there. Right. But the vaccines don't block transmission. Right. And they've been, they've proven to be excellent in reducing disease severity mm-hmm. and having better clinical outcomes. And so thus they have a positive impact on hospital capacity. Right. But like in terms of transmission blocking, it's just, it's not there. And they know they never were intended for that. Right. That'd be like the icing on the cake. Right. So, so they were intended to um, just kind of lessen the disease symptoms and exactly. long-term effects exactly. when someone gets that. Exactly. Okay. And so people didn't know in the beginning, so they didn't design them to be transmission blocking. But in the beginning, a lot of people were confused about that. They thought that if I'm vaccinated, I can't transmit the virus. Right. That's completely incorrect. And I think a lot of people still think that. Yeah, it's completely wrong. Yes. Okay. So we can still transmit it. Right, so we may get less symptoms. May get. Yes. May. may. May is a big may is piece a big of word. that. Too. Yes, it's not a promise. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. We that's important to know. So if I'm remembering right, there are some diseases that we have been able to reach herd immunity like rubella, measles, exactly. smallpox, but what was the difference then between those and, and so COVID? we got those were all of those we reached herd immunity through vaccination okay and like so there's never been um um a virus or pathogen on this l- population level scale that we've reached herd immunity through a natural disease process okay so it just hasn't happened so it's okay. very unlikely with covid and, okay you know when you compound the danger of the repeat infections the waning mm-hmm. immunity it's just mm-hmm. it's just a bad idea mm-hmm. so so with those other diseases, when when vaccines were created, they could block transmission yeah, better? Yeah, so they, and I, don't quote me, so this is, and that's the interdisciplinary world, so it's right. so, the infectious disease world so big, so this right. is a little bit out of my lane. Right. It's more for like immunologist. Right. But I think, it, it, so it's something like, so for example, the measles vaccine is kind of like, held as like the sterilizing immunity and immunologists maybe will argue with that mm-hmm. it just, it's it's debate but i think it has something to do with like with and so virologist i'm sorry if i'm chopping this up okay <laughs> <laughs> but if, if it's something about like the surface proteins of the measles virus if they even mutate just a little bit then they're not able to like pass into healthy cells mm. so it's something like a weakness in the virus okay. so they but the COVID vaccines, they just, they're, what we're seeing with the modeling, they're not providing the, you know, they, they don't block transmission. Right, so. right. And so there are a lot of new variants of COVID. And is that part of the problem then? It, it is, definitely is, is because you're letting it just kind of like, Anytime you let a virus just pass through the a population unregulated, mm-hmm. there's going to be a higher probability of emergence of new variants, right. which can evade immunity. Mm-hmm. They have immunity escape properties. So it's just, that's a natural thing. But mm-hmm. 
COVID is just, it has all of these sinister disease characteristics to make it so powerful. It has mm -hmm. a, a perfect amount of asymptomatic host. Mm -hmm. So they kind of have a stealth quality of the virus. Right. Then it has airborne transmission. And that's something that's not really, yeah. a lot of people aren't aware. Like the primary transmission route is not respiratory droplets. It's airborne. It's airborne. It's airborne. Okay. And when you think about it, Lisa, it blanketed the planet in three months. Of course, yeah. it's not droplets, right? Right, right. That makes sense. Yes. And that's all reflected in the modeling. You can see it from mm -hmm. that angle. So. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Um, and we don't really know why COVID has so many variants or how they, or why I mean, they evolve. People like are that. people working on that type of like, I'll talk, I mean, they're like wet lab people. So that's a right. little bit, that's way out of my lane. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not going to upset <laughs> any more people here. <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, there's a lot of variants, and that also yes. adds to the problem oh, yes. of getting herd immunity. Oh, yeah. And you said, like, immunity, natural immunity, meaning, like, when someone gets COVID, that doesn't really help either. It doesn't. It's like it's not really providing, from what I'm seeing, a robust immune response. It's not mm -hmm. lasting long enough. Right. And right. you can get reinfected and at the same yeah. time, the emergence of all these new variants happening. Right. It's just, it's a dangerous situation to be in. So right. Right. It's not working. And, and if it's never worked yet on like this level of a population scale, this natural disease process, then it's, mm -hmm. it's, it most likely won't work with COVID. Right. So then mathematically you could discern that we're never going to get to that percentage that we need for her exactly and the, when they were advertising it if you if you followed like the news at first it was 60 percent, right right and then it was like 80 then nine it kept going up to yeah. eventually like 100 right 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 it's a sliding scale it's like mm -hmm. it's more of a transient idea there's gonna right. be periods when it's like blowing up periods when it's stabilized okay and i think I'm thinking this year we've sort of seen that um, kind of acting where we have periods where everyone's out and about thinking it's over, but not it's really been, over, but it's over. just a lower period exactly. and then higher period, which it sounds like we're kind of we're, getting We're into. getting back. It's yeah. coming back, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> this is a little scary. Yeah, <laughs> um, so you said in your article – we can't really vaccinate our way out of this problem. We so can't. tell me what you mean. So the vaccines are an excellent tool, but they're just they're just one tool in the tool set that we need. Mm -hmm. So like we're we're it's showing that we can't. People vaccinated people are still getting sick. Like yeah. I can be if I'm I suppose I'm vaccinated. Mm -hmm. If I'm in a room with someone who's unvaccinated, mm -hmm. I can still get sick. They can still get sick. We can yeah. infect each other. Yeah. So it's just the vaccines are an excellent tool in terms of like disease severity mm -hmm. hospital capacity great right but right. like in terms of like driving it in the ground no we need like airborne mitigation methods that's what we need wow we need to okay. clean the air in clean the, room. the air in exactly room. then we wouldn't have to wear a mask we could drive it into the ground that way oh my gosh okay yes. well yes. that's um, the secret that's the next step wow okay that's so interesting and they have these new boxes coming out and people are making very like extremely affordable like little units you can put in rooms to clean the air continuously it's so okay. cheap actually so 
I'm having family over for a gathering or something, I can get one of these boxes and yes. get it in the dining room exactly. or family room or something to help at least. Because the mask in reality, unless it's like an N95, mm-hmm. I mean, it can get in your eyes, the virus, right? It's in the air. It's not really going it, to, right. it'll dampen transmission, but it's not. Yeah. Because yeah. again, it's not droplets like you exactly. said. It's that airborne and it's... And then if you're wearing it under your nose, which we've seen yeah, people do, point? that's not even no point. worth wearing it. No. So the boxes that are filtering and cleaning the air, that's one area of research that we need to continue and, and yes. look into. Are there other areas that uh, uh, we def- could be doing? Oh, definitely. So first of all, like regarding like forecasting cases and like mm-hmm. disease characteristics, asymptomatic airborne, that's been done. Okay. It's over. Right, right. It's right. done. But like the area that I think a lot of people, uh, overlapping majority of people would agree with me on this, like the area that we really should be looking into is recovery. Mm-hmm. Like we don't even know what it really means to recover from COVID. Right. right. So we can have like, I know there's like pre-existing conditions. There's a higher chance that you have a worse clinical outcome. Mm-hmm. But like we don't really know with long COVID happening. I mean, it's like right. a... It's becoming a mass disabling event. Right. Yes. So I've heard that and actually have some friends and family members who can't seem to get past and then are wondering if some of these new things that are going on with their bodies and their health may be the long-term effects of COVID. Maybe. I mean, yeah. this virus is new. That's the mm-hmm. reality. Yeah. And also, they struggle to find effective treatment. I mean, mm-hmm. doctors will just shrug them off. Uh, you don't have... XYZ symptoms, right? Right, right, right. So So that's another area we absolutely. Oh yeah, that's the area I would think. Yeah, it's going to be the next like global health crisis. Okay, Uh, it it probably already is. We just interesting. Um, so it sounds like we're not going to (laughs) be getting rid of COVID nineteen anytime soon. It's here to stay. It's here to stay, probably through our lifetimes. Uh, Most definitely, yeah. And. Do you think it's sort of similar to how we think of the flu, like where we have to continuously get yeah, boosters I, well, or shots or? Well, I would say yeah. So I would think so. In terms of in terms of like the disease dynamics, it's it could be far more. It's so different than the flu. Okay. And like the the long term cost, like we were talking about the long COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just COVID carries like a much a more powerful punch with it. Like, okay. And even with like asymptomatic or mild infections, can right. result in like chronic conditions. Right. So right. it's it's more dangerous long term like that, but mm-hmm. in terms of the boosters and the vaccines, I mean, so technically, like, there's two sides. They've become very political. Yeah, and just and I'll just say this here. So we were working on um, a booster project together, mm-hmm. like deciding like what's the right number that right. would flatten the curve. And right. the politics they were too hot, and mm-hmm. we just had to wait till they cooled down. And by the time they cooled right. down, we we're doing other things. Right, right. So like, right. we never finished it. Okay, but um. I would say that, like, it's over just on a personal level. Mm-hmm. I think there's two layers to it. Yeah. Like, on a personal level, um, vaccination is like a personal choice. And what I really mean by that is that's just like a generic saying, right? Right. And it's a truly has personal consequences, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. Like, right. Like, if I'm vaccinated, and let's just say you're not, Lisa, mm-hmm. then in this room right now, it's just, right. okay, then we can um, infect, we can both infect both each other. And the only reality is that maybe I'll have a better um, outcome with my infection. Right. Maybe you're at a higher chance you'll get have worse outcome. Really. Right, right. So it's really a risk you're taking yourself mm-hmm. is the truth. Right. And now that you're saying that there's these longer term disabling, maybe permanently, that really does 
make us think, you know, long and hard, we really have to think about that when we're making that choice. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I would say this, that like, so, I mean, of course, like I know some people are pushing the vaccine so hard, like the more, the better. You can't just like take like a million vaccines. It'll stir up your immune system so much. Who knows? Right. So like, uh, I think it's a population thing. Like if you stand back on the second layer and look at it from a population perspective, Mm -hmm. like a whole population is not getting vaccinated then the hospital capacity issue comes up, right? Right, So right. it's kind of like a, but on yeah. an individual level, it shouldn't, people shouldn't think, oh, person X is not vaccinated so they can transmit worse to me. It's not, that's not what's happening. Right, so, right. It's more risky for themselves. Themselves, exactly. Yeah. Um, because again, going back to that, and I feel it's worth repeating yes. that the vaccines don't block transmission. They don't. So. They're leaky. That so. Yeah, so that is really important fact to remember when we're kind of, discerning all these all this information so do you think it'll ever get to an endemic level okay so i it should eventually converge to some endemic level Mm -hmm. but if anyone's giving you like a rock solid number just throw it out it's not going to happen it could be one year 10 years yeah we don't know right and but i'm thinking this though with covid because the disease characteristics like the canonical version of herd immunity doesn't work it's going to be like transient Maybe the canonical version of endemic, maybe it's going to be some like hyper endemic. Right. right. So like right. maybe some sporadic surges in some regions right. with like some relatively high transmission in others. and Right. Maybe yeah. different regions will have different uh, outbreaks or yes. not. Maybe we can even go for a year without an outbreak. Maybe. Like maybe yes. we can it's extend level. Yeah, yes. the stabilization level. Yes. Um, interesting. That's so interesting. And yet, again pretty pretty scary, scary as yeah. well um so i think it also is worth repeating when you said asymptomatic hosts obviously can transmit definitely and also can have permanent problems or semi-permanent conditions from it as well there's like rising evidence that even like mild or asymptomatic infections Mm -hmm. result in like long-term neurological damage for some people yeah and they don't really they haven't completely figured out why yeah so it's kind of like i mean that the the thing with covid for me that's scary is not some acute infection that's going to go away right it's like the long-term cost what is it yeah and who could i even find to treat it right yeah and will insurance companies believe it uh, exactly. or whatever, you know, or how do we handle? I can answer that one. That's no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, just thinking like from a societal level, if we have multiple people who have neurological problems or multiple people now who have heart problems, in addition, like that's going to have ramifications on our society and our productivity everything. and everything yes yeah so we're gonna see care. long term we're gonna see how it like plans out so. yeah so this is gonna have big effects for the healthcare industry beyond yes. what we were thinking which yes. was like immediate and short term but this is long long term and it's unfortunate because yeah. a lot of individuals with these chronic conditions mm-hmm. i mean they have to their quality of life is just diminished right and they can't even find effective treatment right so they're really in a situation now where yeah that's where we should be dumping funding in right Right. That that makes a lot of sense to I like the idea of the preventive with the air filtering, but also the the folks who've gotten this and now have these yeah, they need treatment. They need answers. And there's pre existing stuff, like you can have some underlying dormant latent infection 
in your body, like some maybe some tick-borne illness, mm -hmm. and you can get infected, it could stir up your immune system and just pop out. Oh my goodness. Yeah, well, otherwise right. it wouldn't. Right, yeah. right. And then making other things worse that you already knew you had, asthma yes, or whatever. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Um, maybe the infection was so mild you didn't really notice it. Right. Yeah, yeah that's, that's super scary as well. Yeah. So I guess even though the vaccines aren't 100% effective, they are pretty good at diminishing the infection and the short and long-term yes. consequences. That's their thing. They've proven that's, to be great at that. So. Yeah. So that's where, you know, personal decisions come in, but also think of the long-term. Yes. Also think of the societal, you know, concerns with yes. that too. Yes lot to kind of take in it is it's we're, we're gonna see it play out before us but yeah it's just uh it's already happening now i mean when i i was spoke to some people and i was and i was talking about the next global health crisis right with long covid they're like no it's already here <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah yeah oh my gosh did you get some comments positive or negative from your article oh yeah i mean you have to have a thick skin with it you know yeah so i yeah. mean like um Positive, negative, everything in between, right, whatever. Right. You know, so that's just the name of the game. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, well, you're a mathematician, so it's like that's the math, right? That's the math. That's yeah. the math. Exactly. It's not personal. <laughs> I just it's not did, personal. I did the equation. That's like one of my philosophies. The moment you make it personal, you lose. Right. That's the truth. Right. So. Right. Which is entertaining. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has been so interesting and helpful um thank you dr aguilar for being here on as a matter of fact and uh hopefully we can have you back sometime for another one of your studies definitely at least i'll point out one thing you referred me to a mathematician but i'm kind of like a mathematician who pretends to be an epidemiologist i like that yeah that's really that's really <laughs> what's happening here okay? i like that well it sounds like you learned so much from the other experts in that yes. multidisciplinary uh yes. work so that's amazing that's true well thank you so much all right thank you To hear more episodes of the St. Leo 360 podcast, visit stleo.edu forward slash podcast. To learn more about St. Leo's programs and services, call 877-622-2009 or visit stleo.edu.